Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Aaron Klein. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And it's time, time to party. party. Hello, beloved listeners. This is your host in post, Ansel Birch, coming to tell you that this is a special bonus episode made from material that we thought was just not the best thing to start off the season with. Uh, as you can hear throughout this recording, there are dogs barking, airplanes flying over. This was the very first opportunity we had to try and record after the pandemic lockdowns, and we did it outside, fully masked, under a O'Hare-bound flyover. So you can hear some airplanes flying, uh, you can hear some dogs barking, you can hear all sorts of background noises that normally we would not want to be part of our recordings. We thank you for bearing with us in this special bonus episode uh, because we think it's still a good conversation about a movie that is highly underrated. So, as a gentle reminder, we are not doctors, we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. This was recorded on September 26th, 2020. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to Time Party. Hey, everybody. Hopefully you're ready to party with us. Do we talk about this movie? Uh, which is Meet the Robinsons. Hopefully you listen to our first parts and decide to watch, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yes, there will be spoilers. If you didn't, sorry about it. Should have watched the movie, I guess. Yeah. It's from 2007. <laughs> right? Like, so I think you've had enough time. It's it's well past time, I think, to be giving spoiler warnings. But just in case, we right. will be spoiling the shit out of this movie if you haven't seen it. So Yes. All right. So I mentioned this in the first part, but... Meet the Robinsons is such a hopeful movie. Yes. It gives you so much hope that things can be better, you know? And it takes this fairly simple premise, which is from a children's book. Yeah, I love way. I love that, that you get to the end and you're like, oh, this is just based on, like, a, a kid's book. Like, yeah. I love that. I think it's great. And essentially the whole thing still happens in the movie that happens in the book. You get the whole storyline from... Oh, nice. Uh, from A Day with Wilbur Robinson by William Joyce, uh, which is a children's book from the 90s, but it was, like, reissued in the 2000s, I think, after oh, this movie came out. That makes sense. Uh, so, yeah. that yeah, Capitalism. That, yeah, right? So that bit where you meet all of the Robinsons is just the book. Oh. They added all the time travel stuff later. Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. And luckily, William Joyce worked with the the filmmakers and stuff on bringing it to life so it's not you know right we're just gonna disregard this creator feels like faithful to the book yes exactly cool that's Um, awesome yeah but you know much like children's books do it takes this complex idea of like being without a family and looking for family and makes it really digestible for a younger audience which is something that disney does well for the most part but there's enough in there that the older audiences can sink into also. Yes, definitely. I mean, like, I know that about Disney and about most animation, that as an adult, when you return to things, there's often a lot of stuff that you're like, wow, that went so far over my head as a kid. And there was a lot of it in this movie that it was like, I probably would have remembered this movie better if I had been older when I saw it the first and only time that I saw it before this, because it's very smart. And there's a lot, a lot of references that are clearly just for the adults who are watching it with their children. And I love that. It's great. 
Oh, your dog's wearing glasses. Oh, why is your dog wearing glasses? Oh, because his insurance won't cover contacts. I know. I'm just like, oh my god. I popped so hard for that joke. That it was very... I loved all the stuff with the grandpa. I loved when Bud was like, oh, my students don't laugh at this joke either. <laughs> LOL. Oh, well. Like, oh my god. <laughs> wow. But I've had that teacher. <laughs> I feel like I'm becoming that teacher. Oh my god. For real. <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm the level-headed person. Just kidding. I'm the Mulder. <laughs> a Disney staple at this point is Danny Elfman. Yes. He's done so oh much iconic Disney material, and he does the score for this. Oh, beautiful. It sounds so good. Yes. It's so bubbly. I like that you say bubbly, too, because one of the things that I wrote down was, I like that he envisions this future where people like travel by bubbles, and there it has this very like light feeling. Uh, I also wrote down I I you can tell that it's the future because all the buildings are curved, yes. and so it has I this very like pleasing aesthetic. All the colors are very bright. Like even the difference between when Lucy's dropped off as an orphan and everything's like saturated in like browns and stuff, and like hard angles and like brick buildings to what is ostensibly only like 42 years later and like the entire landscape has changed and become this like very futuristic looking thing i love that part of that is bubbles and that uh danny elfman really seems to like weave his way into this new imagined future too and fits so well with this like he's just so like when i think of this kind of movie i think of him like uh big fish and edward scissorhands Mm -hmm. like he this is his visual aesthetic and he just fits so well inside of this world yeah i mean like thinking of what he did for nightmare before christmas Ugh, versus yeah. this you know it's just you know it it's phenomenal the stuff that comes out of that dude's brain yeah totally he understands how to score for animation in a way that a lot of people don't and i think yep. that's why stuff like big fish for example works because it feels like real life animation in a way because of the way that it's stylized God, have you rewatched that movie lately? Like, when was the last time you rewatched Big Fit? It's been a while. I read the book several times, oh. and so it's like hard for me a little bit because I really like the movie because uh-huh. I love Ewan McGregor and I think everything in it is very well cast. But there's something about the way that the book tells that story that I connect with. Like, I almost never reread books, and so the fact that I've read it like four or five times wow. speaks to how much I really like it. You should read that event. You should. It's really good. I would definitely recommend it. I I rewatched the movie like during quarantine. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I I love this movie. There's a lot about it that I mean, a lot of it is the same as this, where these themes of like, who is your family and is your found family the thing that can ground you, or do you really need your bio family? And like, yes and no. It kind of depends. Right. Like, you get to decide. I love it. Like, this whole idea of found family is something that I think resonates a lot with our generation. Yes. You know? Like, Very much. Uh, I hear stuff all the time where, like, people are being, uh, are, are cutting off, like, members of their biological family for various reasons. Yes. So, like, a found family nowadays is more important than ever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, when I moved here from Philadelphia, like, I mean, we're in Chicago, if, you know, listeners don't know. Um... I mean, why would they know? But, <laughs> <laughs> but we're in Chicago. And when I moved here from Philadelphia, I had family who lived here. But, like, you know, it, we're not, like, super close, like, a parent mm-hmm. relationship, right? So, like, when I found a family, like, with, like, the people in my group chat, you know, when I found Aaron and Stella at a wrestling show, when I went to Plan 9 Burlesque, yeah. you know, when I discovered all these great people, yeah. Uh, it's just, 
Oh my god, such a uh, it's hard to put into words how important that feeling is. Yes. And Meet the Robinsons kind of captures that in a really good way. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I I think it's a little funny too that like this idea of utopia being told through this white family is this extended family which is the reality of people of color that's like derided by white people which is interesting that it's there's this idea like i want to reach out towards this like utopic idea of family and community and like chosen family but when we see it today existing out we by we i mean white people see it existing outside of our communities we view it as this like blemish that needs to be taken care of so it's interesting to see that like there's this lizard brain understanding like yes this is what you need like it's really important to have a community that's strong like this that you chose and who loves you and love you for who you are and yet we still exist in this world that like, pushes it away in yes. reality it's it's weird it's so weird like oh let people do stuff yeah like, have- it's yeah if you're not hurting people like it's who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> Be weird. Do weird shit. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Okay. Other things that you liked about this movie? Yeah. Um, the cast was yes. really strong. Fuck yes. Um, the the voice of Lewis is Jordan Fry, who also played Mike TV in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake oh, from okay. 2005. I knew I recognized his yes. voice, and I was like, I don't know that name from anywhere. That makes sense. That's okay. why I looked it up. I was like, why do I know this voice? I did the same thing with Franny Robinson, the mom. She's voiced by Nicole Sullivan, yep. who's the uh, voice of Supergirl on DC Superhero Girls, which oh. I've been watching, and that's she plays my favorite character on that show. And so as soon as I heard her, I was like, ah! yeah. oh my gosh! I know her from Mad TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't really watch Mad TV. Back in the day when SNL was not as good as the 80s, you know. Is SNL ever as good as X time in the past? That's so true. Everyone always says that it was better when. Yeah. Like, so, okay. I what? think maybe it's just politics have a weird shelf life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I remember specifically avoiding Saturday Night Live and finding Mad TV on Fox, I guess? Because uh, they also had a way more diverse cast at the time. Yeah. So that was fun to see. Uh, but Nicole Sullivan uh, had a lot of iconic characters from that. But one of them was uh, an old Asian woman. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, Miss Swan doesn't hold up. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, like, as a kid, I was just like, oh, that's funny. And now I'm yep. just like, is it that funny? No, it's not. <laughs> Turns out Ugh. it's not. But, you know, Nicole Sullivan has done a lot of other stuff yeah. since then. I'm, I'm, I hope she learned that that's not I mean, great. Part of it is being on a show like that, yeah, where it's true. like, here's the script that you're given. Like, cool, I guess I have to do this shit. Like, yeah. I understand that, too. So uh, throw unnecessary shade about it. Oh, Now that I'm thinking about Mad TV, I'm thinking of uh, Bobby Lee, who was a cast member later on in that run. And he did a hilarious skit about like uh like motion capture for a game he was they were doing like a fantasy game and everything they were having him do looked like really sexual acts oh, of course. It's, <laughs> it's <great. laughs> i know you can't see what i'm doing but the, it's it's no. best left to the imagination yeah. probably Go look it up on youtube it's bobby lee mad tv <laughs> very funny <laughs> um so speaking of lewis uh spoiler alert yes older Lewis slash Cornelius, Cornelius yeah. is voiced by Tom Selleck. Yes, I loved that. I thought 
I loved when he asked, what does your dad look like? And he said, Tom Selleck. First of all, it's very much a product of 2007. Yes. I, that's like a reference that would not get made today. And so I kind of like that it, if kids watched it now, they have no fucking clue what was going on. Right. And even their parents might not, like people of our generation, unless they already knew who Tom Selleck yeah. is. Which seems weird that people wouldn't know who Tom Selleck right. is, but I like understand that he's not, unless you watch like Blue Bloods now, you probably oh, don't right. really know who Tom Selleck is. So I love that. I thought that that was a very nice like little piece of 2007 culture that felt dated but in a way that i really enjoyed yes and then you get the kick at the end of he actually is the dad's voice like oh that worked so well it took me a second and then i was like wait a minute yeah. wait a minute <laughs> i was very happy about it i thought that was great oh. i also love tom Selleck. so yes he rules how did you feel about the kung fu movie homage with the meatball fight I liked it, I think. I mean, part of it was that that was the moment where I was like, oh, this is Brandy, obviously, with the karate. Like, I, at that point, I started to put it together who the family was, and it was like, oh, okay, these are the things that they told us earlier in the movie that we're now, like, getting this additional uh, talk about. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know. It, I didn't necessarily understand right away that, it, that that's what it was, that it was an homage to a mm -hmm. kung fu scene. It just felt weird but like not in a confrontational or strange way right. just weird you know what i mean it, it gave me a brief pause because i'm just like is it weird that they're doing this joke but it's like uh i don't know it's not really i didn't want to call it racist because it's not yeah, it's, really no it felt more like here are these here's this weird kid who was like into karate and grew up and right. now does this weird shit at the dinner table yes. like that yeah, I wouldn't have said that it was racist. It just, like I said, it just felt weird. It yeah. didn't feel, like, specific necessarily and, to... And that bit with the dubs. Uh... Yeah, the dubs were weird. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the that's the whole joke. Because uh, back in the day when they would show, like, kung fu movies on American TV, they would right. dub them in English so the, the mouths wouldn't match up. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I get... I understood the joke. I understood the reference. Yeah. It just gave me a bit of pause now that I'm older of watching. It's something that you could not do in a live action movie. Yeah. Straight up. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know that you would even do it in a uh, I don't know. I feel like people would still try to get away with it in an in animation today. But again, those lines are so much looser and yes. there's a lot of gray there. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how I, how I feel about it just, now. Uh, just a thought. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I feel like, maybe one of the only things in the movie that really stands out is not having held up as well. Right. <laughs> but there's a lot of the humor that holds up so well. Yes. Like, the uh, the bowler hat guy's minions. He keeps picking oh the worst minions. I, I had forgotten that the T-Rex joke was, like, a continuation of a, this plan was not well thought out. Yep. Which, like, made me laugh even harder. Like, oh, I remember this as from being a kid and this, like, viral mark at the time what would be considered viral now uh this contemporary like viral marketing for this little arms guy but then like getting that extra dose of oh this is also like a very adult joke yes. like that plays off this continuation of this not being well thought out i really appreciate it the writing in this was so much better than i was expecting. right looking at it now that running gag builds because it yes. starts in the boardroom with uh bowler hat guy pitching the mind scan yes uh the, the the guy at the head of the table is like oh, i don't think this was well right. thought out yeah 
And then Frankie the Frog, like, mister? <laughs> He's just uh, considerably bigger, and there's like a ton of people all in. I don't think this is going to work. But the T-Rex thing. Oh my god. That's I why that. I wanted the game to reflect, to take a shot during this bit, because uh, I love this bit so much. It's so... I have a big head, little arms. Little arms. arms. <laughs> I just don't think that this plan was well thought out. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's such a good bit. Also, the idea of the T-Rex with a bowler hat on is just hilarious. Like, something about that visual still really, like, clicks for me. Even as, like, a person in my 30s. <laughs> yes. That's what I want. A T-Rex with a bowler hat on. So what's the deal with bowler hats? I kind of meant to look it up, and I never did. Bowler and I hats? feel like you would know about bowler well, hats. Well, bowler hats were very popular in, like, the turn of the century fashion. Uh, they were, like, the bridge point from top hats to uh-huh. their like fancy dress hat they were more popular in england um yeah they became more known in america uh, as like part of dance because of bob fossey because ah. he always wore a bowler hat or like a wasn't even necessarily a bowler hat but a hat that reminded people of bowler hats and so he became associated with that and like cabaret especially oh yeah so it, yeah, it's like two. It's dual uh, in that it's it was a fashion thing for men at the turn of the century that doesn't hold up right. <laughs> anymore in the same way, uh, and it also is really well known culturally because of dance. So yeah, yeah. Thinking of Sally Bowles, I yep. totally yep. associated with that. But I also think of that dude in Popeye who eats all the hamburgers. Wimpy, yeah. Ah, um, another cool thing about Meet the Robinsons was that an integral player behind the scenes was Don Hall. He started as, like, a storyboard artist on various Disney movies, then moved his way up to, like, director, story editor, things like that. But, like, he's been involved in Tarzan, Emperor's New Groove, Princess and the Frog, the 2011 Winnie the Pooh, uh, Big Hero 6, Moana, um, Ralph Wrecks the Internet, and oh, he's involved in Raya and the Last Dragon, which is coming out. Well, it's supposed to be this year, but coming out next year. Right. Um, Don, I, I don't know. Something about Don Hall's work is really creating bangers. this like That's next a list of renaissance. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because like we had that Disney Renaissance in the '90s, and like with Tarzan, he kind of tacked on the end of it, and then eventually he came back and brought a renaissance of his own. Yeah, it's interesting the way that Disney's animation. Um, has shifted over the years because everyone fucking loves Pixar and so people want things that look and feel like Pixar. So finding that like traditional 2D animation style again, I, I like seeing that journey. Speaking of Pixar, John Lasseter was heavily involved in Meet the Robinsons because this was the last uh, Disney uh, animated pictures movie before they purchased Pixar. Oh, okay. Like they were in the middle of that deal that makes sense. When this is being made. You can, like, see it in yeah. the animation style that there's things that it's like, oh, okay, you're, like, trying to emulate some of this, yep. but this isn't really Pixar. You can also see, too, I think it's really interesting. This feels like a movie that also set goals for Pixar in a way where, like, the hair and the way yep. that hair is later changed through what they do with Brave and, like, the crash of the time machine is things that they perfect later with, like, cars and Toy Story, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that that 
Because, like, that scene, you can tell in 2007, was really cool. Yeah. But it's dated in a way that you can tell immediately, like, oh, this was cool for the time. But, yep. like, this doesn't really work because the animation has just progressed so much more over the last 13 years. So I think it's interesting, too. And, like, the way that the characters are are shaped also feels, like, very similar to what happens later with Pixar, too. So right. it, it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean... John Lasseter is very integral in shaping a lot of these movies that have now become iconic. So to hear all of that stuff about Me Too uh, associated with him was very disappointing. I mean, that's fucking Hollywood, man. That's fucking Hollywood. That's the whole deal. Like, men who are very good at what they do are given passes because there's this idea that they can never be replaced. And, like, look at all this list of bangers that he did and he's involved in like a, a really iconic time in animation history and so that means that we just kind of look the other way and we yep. turn a blind eye to a lot of things and I think people are reckoning with that in a way now that they never really have before but it's not like that's really even changed that much and yeah. like that's something to keep in mind about anything like that you gotta pick the poison that you have to understand like basically anything that's being made at an international level or a national level with budget like something like this, there is rife for abuse and that shit is just happens constantly at like every yeah. fucking level. And it sucks. It sucks to have to parse that out of here's this thing that I really like that lots of other people were involved in mm-hmm. but now this is tainted by this idea. Yeah. But like that's true again of everything. Of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like uh Luckily now, Pixar has some very uh, prominent women and people of color involved in the process, and you know they're they're working on doing the good things that John Lasseter did in a better way. Right. You know, while taking that other stuff out of the equation. Yeah. But that's something that we as a society are doing everywhere. Yeah. J.K. Rowling. Oh my God! Yeah. Don't buy or read her books. They're. T- uh. Man, as someone who, like, really, really, really wanted a Harry Potter tattoo and is now deeply thankful I never got one, like, man, what a disappointing human. I was actually talking to my therapist about J.K. Rowling recently, um, and to no surprise, she let me know that a a ton of her uh, clients have, like, talked about J.K. Rowling lately. I guess I'm not really surprised by that. Um, But one of the things I was struggling with is, like, I love theme parks. Like, I'm sure at some point, I'm going to go on a rant about Disney theme parks on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but when Universal acquired the theme park rights for Harry Potter and yeah. created the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Islands of Adventure and their main park in Florida, I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like, the incredible amount of detail no, that went into so well all done. of that. And now I'm just like, I don't want to give J.K. Rowling any financial support. Yeah, I feel really conflicted about it. But this theme park world was created by more people than just her. Right. You know? Like, she gets the most money from it. Yeah. It's like, how do you grapple with those pros and cons? Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy. Right. It, it is something that I won't have to think about for a little while though, because there's no chance to tell them I'm going the to Florida lake. anytime soon. Oh, you mean Florida? That's uh, open up to 100% capacity in restaurants despite uh, doing nothing to prevent the virus? Those idiots. I feel so bad for people who live there. Like, I know a lot of people who live there who are not dumb and who are just as horrified that this is happening and, like, makes me feel very sad. In the same week, there have been outbreaks at both AEW and WWE 
who have been running this entire fucking time without the proper uh, testing and procedure and stuff. And hey, guess who's still doing shows? Uh, yep. <laughs> but yep. Again, everything is tainted. Yeah. <laughs> you got to make your decisions about what your line is and like it's acceptable to have lines. Yes. It's acceptable to say this is my line and I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to support this anymore. And like I support people who make those decisions. I fucking get it. It's not easy to exist in a world tainted by capitalism. Right. Even okay, I I don't I think this is a very loose relation, but did you notice in Meet the Robinsons, like, the areas of town that were curvy and futuristic that matched with the movie, mm-hmm. and then when Bowler Hat Guy takes Lewis back to his lair, mm-hmm. back at the orphanage, it's still the same. Like, it, it didn't change. Oh, you mean, like, that that part of the city has remained the same yeah it's like they abandoned it almost it's weird it's like the whole city was like "Eh, we'll just move over to this side (laughs) which uh in real world in the in like reality would mean that that's where all the poor brown people live because there's no brown people over where the robinsons live either which is a big mark of how uh different this movie would be now yes like it would not just be a cast of white faces absolutely yeah uh that also stood. That was part of what made it stand out to me. This idea of like this white utopia yeah. of extended family. When it's like, well, if you, if you just looked at people who weren't white, maybe you would have figured this right. out a lot longer ago. It's but, true. But I mean, I uh, applying our 2020 lenses to this, you know, yeah. 2007 movie is a is a large undertaking. Yeah, that's true. And it shouldn't uh, deter you from watching this very. No. fun hopeful movie because there's still stuff from it that you can take out oh God, yeah. and apply oh absolutely i mean uh mildred the 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 woman who runs the oh, orphanage i love mildred i thought she was angela so... bassett that's angela bassett yeah. oh so oh, great yeah yeah that part was great i i they didn't like explicitly say this at the end when uh lewis doesn't actually see who his mom is it felt Maybe just because I'm an uh, old sap and I'm in my 30s, but it felt to me like in that moment he was realizing, like, oh, Mildred was my mom. She was yeah. the one who, like, she rescued me. She took care of me. She loved me. Like, I already know who my parents are. And then, like, to then move on to this, like, and I know who my family will be in the future. I liked that a lot. I felt like it was a really nice moment for Mildred, even if it wasn't explicit. Right. Um, One of her lines early on is uh, to Lewis is get out of the past and look to the future uh, was nice foreshadowing. And even though Lewis took the complete wrong message away from it, yeah. you know, Mildred was proving yet again that she she was there for Lewis that, that whole time. Mm-hmm. And she raised him for like 12 yeah. years. That's a long fucking time. Also, he's he had 124 interviews. I was like, oh. no wonder this kid is broken. Exactly. That's horrible. So horrible. Oh, like, I've done that for, like, jobs. I've done, when I was unemployed for eight months, I went on, I think I submitted, like, hundreds of resumes, and I went on, like, dozens of interviews, and just hearing no, even, even, like, we liked you, but, but, is so hard over and over and over. I cannot imagine what that would be like as a child who's, like, I have to win over all of these people who want to adopt me, like, how horrific, low-key horror movie moment. Oh, yeah. Oh man, when when the peanut butter and jelly dispenser <laughs> went wrong, oh, 
My heart broke I for know. Lewis. I felt so bad. I also was like, why don't you test your inventions before you try them on people ever? Yeah. It's um, like, kid. Lewis was a terrible roommate. Yes, I felt bad for Goob. Like, I totally understand why this kid looks like he's about to die from the plague. Like, his roommate never fucking sleeps or goes to bed. Yeah. I wrote a note. Is Will Robinson on meth? And I think it might just run in the family, actually. <laughs> Their blood is just meth, I guess. <laughs> like, we could stay up for days. Yeah, Wilbur is constantly on. That's right. He yes. He doesn't turn off. He never turns off. It's like, Jesus Christ, man, calm the fuck down. <laughs> Take, like, half as much Adderall as you're taking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of Goob, when Goob turns into the bowler hat guy, what is that fashion choice? Which one? <laughs> the, like the the black leotard and that like I guess it's a cape. Like, yeah, I thought he was wearing like they look to me like uh, black like cigarette style jean pants almost that were oh. cut. But then like I don't know what his top was. <laughs> I guess it makes sense that it would just be like a whole leotard. I love the way he was drawn. The yeah, bowler hat guy. Like the way that he moved felt like both very um, infantile and insect-like in a yes. way that I really liked. And it felt like, yeah, if this kid just, like, cried alone in a bed for 30 years and got real sad, like, yeah, I could see how he could turn out like this fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am interested in where he found the bowler hat, though. Like, yeah. well, I guess like, well, he doesn't actually have a bowler hat right. until he finds Doris. Yes. I like that her name is Doris. Yeah, and, and they show in her display that it was D-O-R-15. Yeah. And I love, I don't know, I don't know if that's like a recent thing, but I love playing with words and numbers, but like Pen15 does it too. And yeah. Like, even though that's like an old gag, but. <laughs> Internet sweet. What do they call it? Leet? Leet? Is, is that what yeah. they call it? L33T. Oh. Yeah, I'm cool, Ben. <laughs> I grew up with a computer. <laughs> I had a note. So I just want to make sure that everyone is 100% clear that if an octopus and a dragon, or a, not a dragon, if an octopus and a dinosaur were to interact with each other, an octopus would wreck, wreck a dinosaur. Oh, like, well, specifically a T-Rex. You octopus, think any dinosaur? An octopus of equal size to the dinosaur in okay. the same way that it was in this would fucking wreck a dinosaur. Have you ever seen that video it's of the, um, the aquarium that had a shark and they were like, oh no, we're going to put a shark in, a great white shark in with an octopus. We're so worried for the octopus. They dropped that sucker in and the octopus wrapped around the shark and dragged it into its cave, I think literally 15 seconds after they yep. put it into the tank. Like, Octopuses are badass. They are fucking badass and they will wreck you. Like, Absolutely. There's a reason you should have an octopus. I think it might actually be a squid, the, uh, the butler, but... Yeah. Octopus or squid, both very, very smart and, like, will absolutely fuck your shit up. Oh, 100%. 100%. As soon as it jumped on that dinosaur, I was like, that dinosaur's dead. That's just the end of that <laughs> dinosaur. Sorry about it. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, I I fully endorse that statement. <laughs> uh, um, so, at the very end, they give you the origin of Keep Moving Forward. Mm-hmm. And and I want to read the whole quote yes. because it it's such a good thing to take away. Yes. Uh, around here, however, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious. And curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. And that was a quote from Walt Disney that they adapted into yeah. this. I really plot. liked that. I liked the that this is who he became as he became Cornelius. I love that he really had that, like, Imagineer 
yes. like feel about him. Uh, yeah, I really like this. I loved the people who became his parents too. Oh my god! I fucking lo- I can't remember what her name Lucille. was. Lucille. I love when Lucille was like, what memory should I choose? And just listed off all this dope shit. The one that really caught my attention was my first gold medal for the luge. I was like, damn, uh, Lucille. She swam the English Channel. I know. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This, she was like throwing this shit off. She's wearing like 76 cups of coffee on her arm. Like, <laughs> I can see why you guys got along. We're like, we got to adopt this fucking weirdo. <laughs> oh, yes. And it, it's, it's the weirdos who bring imagination to life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like. Uh, I mean, this may sound like I'm such a shill for the Walt Disney Company, but it's just like some of the things that they create, like thinking of how much I don't like the movie Avatar and how, well, more like I'm very indifferent about it. Yeah. Uh, seeing what they did at the Animal Kingdom. Oh my God, it's amazing. And bringing Pandora to life. Amazing. Oh, mind blowing. It, it legit, I had like a religious experience on the- Floating the, mountains. It, it was what? nuts. How do you make floating mountains? It's- so cool. It blew my mind. I'm going it's to, like the most impressive I've ever been in a theme park. Too. I'm going to break down when I finally get to go to Batu and do all the Star Wars land stuff. Dude, I'm so excited. Oh my god. Like, I can't wait. God, Florida, get your shit under control so I, I can go to Star Wars land. I mean, you go to California. Oh, that's true. Not the same. Not the same. It's not the same. Like, but, I'm sorry, land people, but it's not the same. I love Disneyland, though. I like Disneyland a lot, but it's not the same. It's not. I agree. It fits it's in just, the parking lot of Disney World. That's it crazy. Just, it's just something about that OG environment, you know? Like, I have this much different feeling when I'm walking down Main Street in Disneyland than I have walking down Main Street in Disney World. I mean, Disneyland is OG, is the OG, though. Right, It's, it's yeah. the original, but... Like, it's just something in the air Yeah, that's different. I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like, I think it's because it's its own municipal city, and Disney was like, we literally control everything about uh, this island. Yeah. I think that's part of what makes Disney World feel Probably. very much like it's in a bubble, because it is. Uh, but I agree. I It's... They're, Disney is very. I love. There was the bit um, when they were flying through the future and it's a today land yes. and they pass by love the Space bit. Mountain. Definitely, it very much feels like the like seventies and like fifties projection, like um, Jetson style into the yes. future, and it feels uh, purposeful. It, I think that that was done for a specific reason, and I think that that's because Tomorrowland is modeled in that like retro yes. futuristic look. So I. It feels very much like they did that on purpose. It doesn't right. feel like it was just a, like, oh, this is the future and it just happens to look this way. It feels like a very deliberate choice. Yeah. One of the most important things about that Walt Disney quote at the end of Meet the Robinsons, mm-hmm. you know, they focus on keep moving forward. Right. But right before that, they say, we don't look back for very long. They still look back to right. see where they that's were to go forward. That's true. And that's an important thing to take away from this also. I think that's a really good point. It's not that they say we don't look back at all. Yep. We just don't look back too long. Right. Yeah, I think that's great. That's definitely a message that the world needs to hear right now. It sure the fuck is, Ben. <laughs> it sure the fuck is. Ooh, um, I really like that Disney has this like very hopeful idea of the future and even when they're doing movies like WALL-E where they're talking about like what human achievement can, can stop you from doing and how you can create this, like, plateau that you sit inside of, they still have this idea, like, humans were, will persevere, yeah. and they will push forward, and, like, we, if we just come together and have this community, we can create amazing things. And I, I like that idea behind Disney, even if, like, the bureaucracy and the, like, corporate nature of Disney right. as a company doesn't always line up with that. 
the feelings in the parks always feel very magical and have because I think you're right. I think that they connect with that feeling of we can imagine the best for tomorrow. Americans' vision of the future has always been this like idea that will grow exponentially, which is just like not true of how humans actually operate. It's an idea of more rooted in the idea of capitalism, and so the idea that we as humans could like achieve that kind of like exponential growth. I think is kind of only possible if you're thinking of it through the lens of capitalism because humans just don't, I mean, humans of our modern age do not think of achievement outside of the lens of capitalism that I don't think that this could be a movie that was made outside of that just because of who we are as a country uh, and as a global economy. Yeah. But I agree. I feel like if this had been, although I don't know, I, I even feel like the idea of failure is really antithetical to capitalism in a lot of ways. And so this feels like it already sits on the edge of something that pushes against the idea of like exceptionalism and capitalism. Like exceptionalism can still be found inside of failure. And like they even say like, Failure is great because you yep. learn something. Success, not so much. And right. so I feel like it does ride that that fine line of, is this really a utopia or is this just like the future plus it's nicer? Yeah. <laughs> Which like, maybe that's okay for now. Right, exactly. It's, it's technically only 30 years later. Oh my God. This is set in 2037. I hate it. And, <laughs> you know, here we are in 2020. We can't leave our houses. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing that I meant to bring up when we were talking about the Pixar style. William Joyce also worked on a movie, I believe, that featured Ewan McGregor called Robots. It came out around the same time, and stylistically, they were almost similar. You could see it in the uh, Carl the Robot that Harlan Williams voices. Uh, the the robotic style and the futuristic style is kind of similar, so I think. I think you especially see it in Bowler Hat Guy. They wanted to establish a different visual style from that Robots movie. Yeah. Because I definitely remember now these movies coming out so close together and being like, oh. Bugs Life and Ants. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. It's happens in Hollywood a lot. They're doing something with bugs. They're doing something with the future. Oh, hey, let's do a robot picture. Yeah. All right, let's get get everybody on our robot picture. Thank you for joining us here for Time to Party. I'm your host and post, Ansel Birch, and the producer for this show at Indecisionist Productions. Thank you so much for an amazing season one of Time to Party. You can interact with us online using the hashtag Time to Party. That's the number two party. You can find Ben Silverio on Twitter and Instagram at bsilverio20. You can find Aaron Klein at C on Instagram. And you can find me at Indecisionist on Twitter and The Indecisionist on Instagram. Special thanks to April Moralva for our podcast art and to Marlon Longit of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. Until next time in Season 2 with special guest hosts and lots of surprises, be excellent to each other. And party on.